Get ready for the story of a quilter whose career is dedicated to serving others with coaching and training, but when she started quilting in 2020 during the pandemic, she had no idea she would fall head over heels for the craft and it would blossom into a quest to serve quilters with a wonderful attitude of generosity and community spirit. Today, I'll have a chat with Belle Bruner of Seems So Me. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore the stories, the connections, and the joy of guests in the quilting world. I'm your host, Brandy Maslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share this week's episode with you. So here we go. Belle Bruner is a Southern gal who took up quilting in 2020 during the pandemic, only to have it blossom into an incredible adventure, starting with gifts for family and friends, to offering quilting notions, writing patterns, and selling finished items on Etsy, and so much more. I'll chat with Belle today about how quilting changed her path. Belle, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Brandy. I'm excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. Now, I always love to take a little look back. So let's talk about that 2020 beginning of your quilting journey. How did you get started? Well, it started when we were in lockdown. So my work at the time required a lot of travel and I traveled quite a bit and I did work remotely a little bit from home. But when we were in lockdown, I realized after being on the computer for eight hours a day doing training, I've got to have a hobby and I didn't really have one per se. And I had taught my little bonus daughter how to stitch, hand stitch for a couple of years. So we had bought her a sewing machine and realized it was vintage. It was actually worth quite a bit of money. And she wasn't quite ready to learn how to use it properly. And so it just stayed here in my office. And I looked at it every day and I thought, you know, I think I want to make a quilt. Maybe I'll learn how to make a quilt. My grandmother quilted. I'll get on YouTube. And so I did. I got on YouTube University and that's where I learned to quilt. She and I made our first quilt together and I immediately became hooked. Oh, that's such a great story. And what a great way to connect with your bonus daughter, right? Yes, we had a great time. She finished hers before I finished my first one, but you should see some of the pictures of her excitement of finishing the quilt. And so it bit us both. The bug bit us both. Oh, that's great. So were there some artful, creative people in your life early on? Like, I know you started quilting in your 40s, but like early on in your life, were there people who were very creative that you can look back on and say, yeah, I guess this is in my genes a little bit? No. No, nobody. (laughs) Really, there weren't. And, you know, I don't feel like I started getting creative until around 40. So I'm getting ready to turn 48 right now. And I was about 40. I went to visit a friend in Mississippi and she painted. I mean, she was crafty and DIY projects and all that. And she put me in front of an easel with some paints and she said, paint something. And I'm like, I I don't know how to paint. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, just give it a try. So she really, as a friend, is one that really kind of pushed me to tap into and see if there was some creativity in me. And there was, I ended up using acrylics and painting this eye, this really colorful, bright, happy eye, which was a strange thing to paint, but it hangs in one of our bathrooms now. And I'm super proud of it. 
So I started painting a little bit and um, sketching a little bit. And I realized at 40, I guess it's in there, but it took a friend to really help draw that out. Yeah. And it's so great that you had that self-realization over the pandemic that, yeah, I need to bring in some kind of a hobby into my life. So I can hear your beautiful Southern accent. So where are you living now and who are your loved ones that you share your world with every day? Well, I live in the Southern part of Missouri with my husband and my little soon-to-be 12-year-old bonus daughter. And we live about an hour from the Arkansas border, but I am originally from Arkansas. I grew up in a Washita National Forest and my father is still there on the 45 acres I grew up on. Oh, that's so sweet. And do you have another career and you do this on the side or have you made a transition to full-on quilting biz? So it's half and half. I spent my early part of my years as a social worker working with abuse and trauma, particularly children. And I was a social worker for a while. And then I got into being the executive director of a couple of nonprofits in the field of child abuse and then eventually worked for a company, an organization in which I was a regional trainer. And I traveled throughout the country doing training with a lot of nonprofits as far as leadership strategic planning, succession planning. I would go in and work with teams that were struggling and having a difficult time. Uh, Boards of directors, doing a lot of roles and responsibilities training and leadership for boards of directors. So I did that for about seven years and sprinkled in there were topics that helped child abuse professionals. So I did a lot of work on resiliency for trauma first responders as well. So it was kind of a mix. It was the governance part and the leadership part of nonprofits and then also to be able to help and support trauma professionals. Yeah. And that was when I started quilting was when I was still working for that that regional organization. And then I eventually in October of 2021 transitioned into my own training and consulting business, doing a lot of those same things, but I could call the shots. I could schedule my hours and then half time for the quilt business. So I do half and half right now. Yeah, it's so great that you're able to take it private and introduce quilting and have that half and half world. How nice. And so I can't wait to ask you later, probably after the break, I'm going to ask you how you're using some of those leadership and governance type of skills to serve quilting guilds. I can't wait to talk about that a little bit later. So let's get back into the type of quilting that you love to do. So how has your quilting evolved over the last few years? Did you start off really traditional? What are your favorite types of quilting? Well, I tend to do traditional quilts with sometimes a nod towards modern. When I learned to quilt on YouTube, I started with traditional blocks and I still very much love them. But sometimes they'll have a little splash maybe of modern depending on the color or the prints. But I very much do lean more towards traditional quilts. Okay. And was there one project or one quilt that really got you excited about going into pattern design? Yes, it was the Sugar Bear Quilt by Melanie of Southern Charm Quilts. So I learned a quilt from her on YouTube. She's a fabulous teacher and she's one of my mentors and I consider her a friend now. And she's also Southern. And she had a quilt pattern called the Sugar Bear Quilt. And each block within there was part of a bear claw with a lot of HRTs. And within those bear claws were different individual blocks. And as I looked at all of that and worked on that quilt, I was like, 
I think I would like to design these. How does that work? Mm-hmm. And when you say HRT, are you talking about half rectangle triangles? Yes, <laughs> Just to be clear. I, okay. I am. I think we're pretty used to the term HST, but some people haven't made HRTs yet. <laughs> But yeah, it's a great skill to have. Okay, so can you give us a little glimpse into your creative process when you're designing patterns? Like, do you sketch everything on paper? Do you do everything digital? Well, I use EQ8. Oftentimes, I always have my my phone with me. And so I'll snap a, a snapshot if there's a pattern I see on the floor or in a building or an airport or in nature. And so I have those. And then oftentimes what I'll do is I'll think, well, how could this be turned into a pattern? And so I like to do a lot of my work in EQ8. I will fiddle around in there for hours and have all kinds of designs in there. Some of them, of course, are not published yet, but that's really where that comes from. And that's part of my process is I'm a visual learner and I really like it to be clean. And some of my sketches are not so clean. So I've done a little bit if I happen to be somewhere and I have a napkin and I just need to jot something down, I will, but I lean more towards EQ8. Okay. And you want to give a little shout out because you took a pattern design course or workshop, right? So do you want to talk about how you got into that or how you love that? Sure. Well, when I was a hobby quilter, we were actually at a cabin for our anniversary And, you know, it was during the middle of the pandemic. So that was about all we could do safely was go to a cabin. And there was a Facebook ad I saw on my phone for a pattern writing course. And that's through Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy. And so first thing I did was join her membership. And then I signed up to take her pattern writing course, which is a pretty intensive course. And that was where I learned to actually write patterns and understand the marketing behind it and you know, fabric requirements and just all of the the pieces that are involved with pattern writing. And so that was that was a fun adventure. Yeah. And it's always nice if you have a desire to do something to dive in and get as much education as you can so that you can have fun while you're doing what you love, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't love to piecemeal stuff. I'd rather would someone say, here, Bell, here's the process or here's the training and and go through it that way than spend a long time trying to piecemeal everything together. So it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah. Okay. And let's talk about one of your quilts. You recently entered a big regional show in Missouri. So tell us about that. One of your quilts won an award. Oh, yes, it did. I was so surprised. It's my first one. It was my dueling diamonds quilt pattern. And I actually made it. So this is an example of making a block that's a partial quarter log cabin. And I turned it into a bit of a modern type block by using it two colors. So it's a two color quilt. And it's a very bright, striking blue and then kind of a cream color. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? I'll enter it in the modern category. And it was our show. So all our guilds host this. There's like 250 of us that put this show on and we have about 3000 people come through. So it's a pretty big show. Yeah. And one morning I was walking through getting ready to get to my duties. And from a distance, I noticed this white ribbon on my quilt. And I was looking at everyone else's. I I didn't expect to see anything on mine at all. I mean, some of these quilts were just amazing. So I got up closer and I was like, there's a third place ribbon on my quilt. So I was so excited. Oh, that's awesome. 
Now, Belle, I don't have to ask how your biz shifted over the pandemic because you actually started your business during the pandemic. So tell me why you just felt the need to move this from hobby and play and fun to right on into business. Well, you know, I found that quilting, it brought me a lot of joy, but it also brought joy to those that received the quilts when I gifted them. So it was a win-win, you know, joy for the maker and then joy for the receiver. And I thought, you know, I think I could make some confident beginner patterns and I want other people to feel what I feel at this level with being a confident beginner. And I just wanted to be able to expand what I've come to love so much. And I was starting to observe, too, that there might be a need for some of the work I was doing in my other business to also spill over into this one when it comes to strengthening quilt guilds and helping quilt pattern designers, or I call them quiltopreneurs, that word's kind of used sometimes, that there's some things I could offer besides just quilt patterns within my business. Yeah. And I love that you're calling yourself and them confident beginners because so many times there's labels out there like beginner and a lot of quilters might feel like, gosh, it's been 10 years and I'm still calling myself a beginner. (laughs) But when you say confident beginner, it's just such a positive label, you know, as opposed to some of the other ones we'll tack on ourselves. So I love that. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about some of your patterns, starting with cathedral windows. Tell us about that. Oh, so that was my last pattern. And that one was so much fun. I had a couple of inspirations for it. One is our comforter that we have on our bed. It looks like little cathedral windows. And then I had a folder that had this pattern on it that looked like cathedral windows. And then I was at a thrift store and found a table runner of an actual cathedral window table runner, but it was the old envelope method. Okay. So I researched the old envelope method. And I was like, I do not want to do that because that looks complicated. There's no batting in the middle and the hand stitching. There was so much hand stitching involved with it. It often looked like it wasn't going to stay put well together when I looked at that table runner. And so I was fiddling around with my fabrics and I was like, there's got to be another way to do this where you can have batting and you can kind of get the same effect. Yeah, And so that's kind of how that came about is the cathedral window. And it's basically a quilt sandwich. So it's it's using a newer, easy piecing method. And I've since learned there's actually, I think, a few other people that actually do it this way as well. I wanted to be able to bring back a traditional block that people really wanted to make and enjoy making it and felt really successful with it. And I felt like this way is the way that you can feel that way to make that beautiful pattern. Yeah. And you've been in the Art Gallery Fabrics lookbook a couple of times. So what kind of things have you done there? Yeah. So my very first pattern was a small one. It's a quilt journal cover pattern. And that one was in there using Patty Bassini's Tales and Thread line. And then this cathedral window, which is called River Glen, the pattern's called River Glen. I made the pillow size and that was in there as well. And that pattern also has the table runner size and the quilt size, but the the pillow was in there too. Oh, great. And what did you do in the Maywood Studio lookbook? So I was a Maywood Studio maker last year, 2022. And we had different projects. There were three we had each year. And so one of them I chose to use my dueling diamonds. That was, you know, my very first quilt pattern. 
And so they they mocked it up in some solids by Kimberbell. And then that dueling diamonds pattern was was featured in that that lookbook that they have when they release a new line of fabric. Oh, fun. So we've talked about dueling diamonds. We've talked about the River Glen pattern. What other patterns do you have on your website? I have the quilt journal cover. So there's three on there that I released last year. Last year was my first year. So what prompted you to make a quilt pattern for a journal cover? Well, so I'd gone to Walgreens. So this was actually before I took the the Quilter's Candy course. I had Mm -hmm. gone to Walgreens and bought a journal. And I didn't like the cover on the journal. And so I came home and thought, well, I bet I can make one. Well, about four tries later, because I didn't have a pattern for it. I just was trying to sew stuff together and figure out how to make it work. I finally came up with one. And then I did another one out of Charm Squares. And I thought, you know, I posted a couple pictures just as a fun make. And there were people saying, do you have a pattern? Is there a pattern? I want to make one. And so I downloaded the Canva templates to be able to write your own pattern. This was right before I took the course. And I thought, well, I'll do that. So I had started writing the pattern for it because it felt like an easy win. You know, when you are starting out, if you start too lofty and you fail, it doesn't feel very good. Yeah. So the quilt journal cover was was kind of how that came about because some of my followers, which there weren't that many at the time, asked. And I thought, well, that's a good way to get my feet wet. So that was my first opt-in on my website. It was free for a while when I first started. Oh, that's so great. And you have a really special pattern that means a lot to you that you're really excited about that you're going to launch right away. So tell us about that. I do. April 1st, Lovely Pinwheels is a pattern that will launch and it is in recognition of Child Abuse Prevention Month. So I mentioned in my early 20s, I was a social worker and I worked with children that were victims of sexual abuse, physical abuse and emotional abuse. And it's a cause that's near and dear to my heart. I still do consulting work for children's advocacy centers throughout the country, as well as other organizations that are in the field of trauma. And so last summer, I designed this pinwheel quilt. And what some people may not know is the pinwheel is the symbol for April's National Child Abuse Prevention Month. You think about children playing with the little, the blue and silver pinwheels that, you know, the wind will blow and make them spin. And that's the national logo for that. And so I decided that I wanted there to be a pattern that quilt makers could use. They could make the child size and they could donate it to their local children's advocacy center. Because advocacy centers provide the services to children that have been sexually abused and severely physically abused. And after each child leaves, they're able to receive a stuffed animal or a blanket. Now, you and I both know quilts are better than blankets, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so that is really the goal with that. And then I'll be giving the pattern to any quilt guild that wants to adopt their local children's advocacy center as their formal philanthropy. I'll be giving them that pattern with permission to photocopy it for the kids. I know our center supports our local advocacy center, and I wanted to be able to provide a way for communities, quilters, and guilds to to really give back to these child-serving organizations because the numbers are astounding of children that are abused each year. Yeah. 
Well, I just love that cause. And, you know, speaking of causes or, you know, things that you do that I admire for a good reason, you also have something really cool going on on your YouTube channel. So tell us what's on your YouTube channel and what are you doing with QR codes? Okay. Well, so on my YouTube channel are tutorials. EPP Kit, if you want to learn how to make English paper piecing for the very first time and, and feel success, there are small kits. And so I have a sequence on how to use the items in your kit, how to cut your EPP, how to make leave-in stabilizer if you don't want to use paper. So I have those types of tutorials. And I also have tutorials that go along with each of my patterns. So Whenever you buy one of my patterns for visual learners, I'm a visual learner. And that's why I do it, because it's easier for me to see what I'm supposed to be doing. I have a little bit of dyslexia, too. And I felt like, you know, if I have this struggle sometimes and I love videos when I was first learning, I bet others will, too. So that standard with all of my patterns is I do take the extra time to film and edit and create quality videos for those that buy my patterns. Yeah. And I love that you have that, the QR code thing that leads directly to how to do it on video. That's so great. What a great idea. Okay. And so since you are on YouTube, I mean, I guess we can call you a YouTuber. Do you have any funny stories about filming bloopers or anything like that? Oh, I do. So if you go back and look at the very beginning of when I first uploaded some, I didn't realize that when you film for YouTube, it's supposed to be in landscape. When you're filming for Instagram, it's in the vertical position. So I filmed a couple of videos and uploaded them and they were in the vertical position. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to redo these. I'm just going <laughs> to leave them. And then as I learned more about, you know, adding music and intros and, and pretty photos when your video starts out, then you can see where I slowly learned and progressed and, and just trying to continue to grow the channel in a professional way and doing it correctly. Yeah, so fun. Okay, so before we get too far off, I really love the idea of what you're doing for the National Organization for Child Abuse Awareness. So let's tell people where they can go to take part in that or buy the pattern. Yeah, so the pattern it will be on my website. It releases April 1st. So you can go under pattern slash product on my website, which is www.seamssewme.com. And you can get that there. Now, if you belong to a quilt guild, you'll just want to have your board president email me. My email is also on the website. And that way we can make arrangements to make sure you're connected to your local children's advocacy center. And then I will email you the PDF pattern, the board president, so that you all can use that with permissions of copyright. Yeah, sounds so good. Okay, so before we go to the break, I have two more quick questions, but I love to ask my guests, what kind of studio space do you work in at home? Well, it is a bedroom that has been converted into my studio space. So Half of the area is a dual monitors and a desk because I also run my other business out of here too. And then the other part of the space that I have, my husband built me this, I'm sure you can see it, but the listeners can't. It's a long sewing table. I like to stand when I quilt, when I sew, when I actually am doing literal quilting, I do have to lower it, but it, it raises and lowers automatically. Because I find my body just feels better. So I stand when I do most all of my piecing. So one side's got the cutting mat 
Another side has the sewing machine. And then I've got the pegboard with all of my tools that I have. And then I also have a pressing station too. Yeah, that sounds lovely. It's nice to have your own dedicated space, right? It does. I wish it was larger, but until that happens, I make this work. Okay. And on the day-to-day, what brings you joy? Day-to-day, it's seeing the end results of something. So for example, I sometimes chain piece, but I often find that when I'm sewing, I like to do, for example, a block. I'll make a block at a time so that I can see the end result of something and get it accomplished. So for me, it's actually being able to complete something, particularly if it's quilty. Okay, I love that. Okay, so right now we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Belle's workshops, her lectures, and the unique and wonderful work she does with quilting guilds. We'll be right back. Did you know the Quilter on Fire podcast has up to 9,000 unique listeners per week? And not only that, each advertisement is up for the life of the podcast. If you have a quilting business and you advertise, you need to advertise right here. Drop me an email at brandy at quilteronfire.com to pick your advertising date today. Have you heard of the Tack It Easy Folding Press? This EPP tool was invented by Katie Dawson of Cottage Garden Threads in Australia. It's a game changer if you love EPP hexagons. Stay out of sticky situations and create perfect edges with the Tack It Easy Folding Press for English paper piecing hexes using the glue technique. I love this product so much, I'm bringing it to Canada. In fact, you can go to my website right now to order your Tack It Easy folding press today at quilteronfire.com. Located outside Canada? You can purchase Tack It Easy from Cottage Garden Threads in Australia, or you can purchase it from Belle at Seam Sew Me in the USA. And you know her website, she's on the podcast today. It's www.seamssewme.com. And now here's one of the wonderful sponsors of the Quilter on Fire podcast. Join Joe Westfoot, the crafty nomad, to make the festive geometry quilt in time for Christmas this year. The modern Christmas design is Joe's latest block of the month quilt program that she'll be teaching online from May. Join from the comfort of your own sewing room each month for the video classes and live Zoom Q&A sessions that will teach you many different skills whilst you piece together the quilt such as foundation paper piecing, inset circles, fake turned edge applique, Y-seams, and flying geese. Use the coupon code FIRE, that's capital F-I-R-E, to get 10% off at thecraftynomad.co.uk. And we are back with Belle Bruner. So let's talk about teaching. You are all about teaching and inspiration. So what are your favorite workshops to teach? Well, the Cathedral Window is my favorite. I actually will be teaching it next month for AQS Week in Branson. I'm really excited about that. That's one of my favorites because you can see people's faces light up when they actually make the Cathedral Window. It's such a lovely, beautiful block. And they think that it's more complicated than what it is when they actually do. So I very much enjoy teaching that. It's a three-hour workshop, and you learn the pillow size, of course, because you couldn't complete the whole quilts really at a workshop. That's one of my favorites. And then the quilt journal cover, it's a quick make. We get that done in three hours, and you can bring orphan blocks that have been sitting, you know, in your studio for a while. All those scraps that you have, you can be able to make one with that. And so I just tell people to bring whatever they want, 
And then they're able to either do a scrappy journal cover. They could do a whole cover journal cover if they want with fat quarters. But that one is really fun. And again, they accomplish something and they leave with something finished. And I even encourage them just to go ahead and bring the composition notebook so they can go ahead and just put those covers right on their notebooks and they're ready to use. Yeah, so great. And you have a third workshop that you like to teach as well, right? I also do have one on quilt block lanyards. So, you know, when you go to retreats or you have your guild meeting or what have you, oftentimes you don't know people's names. Mm. And so I designed one that I use. I wear it at QuiltCon and wherever. And you basically, I use a tape measure to be what goes around my neck. And then you can pick any type of block or pattern that you want. And you could even hold business cards and the backside of the quilt block lanyard. So those are super fun to make. And I enjoy teaching that class too. Yeah, what a fun idea with the tape measure. And I love what you're talking about with the notebook cover, because whenever you buy all these fabrics for your quilts and you're making all these projects and you have all these leftovers, you have all this fabric in your stash that you love. So it's nice to use it up in little snippets on something you're going to use on the day to day. And you can just whip those up and make them for friends, family, students, guilds, exchanges for gifts. That's another great thing, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so tell us about your lecture. Yes. So it's entitled Shaping Healthy Quilt Guilds. I'll be giving that lecture at AQS Week next month, and then I'll be giving it again later this summer for people that belong to the Global Quilt Connection. That is a favorite one, and it's really all about how to build healthy quilt guilds. So I've had so many stories about struggles that guilds have. I actually have a national survey out right now and it has been amazing the response I've gotten of stories, struggles, and good things that have happened as well. And so a lot of the work that I do in my other business has a lot to do with governance of nonprofits, leadership, creating something called psychological safety within your organization. And we want people to be able to feel welcome, regardless of their background, their culture, their gender, their race, their level of abilities to be able to quilt. We want everyone to feel welcome and guilds do and free to be able to contribute, maybe even challenge the status quo to try something different or something new. And we don't want people leaving because this is such a beautiful hobby. It's such a beautiful craft that I know for me, I want my little bonus daughter and other children to be able to find a local quilt guild that is not dissolved or that is, you know, maybe not as healthy and welcoming of others. And so this lecture is really about what that takes to be able to have this healthy nonprofit. Yeah, that sounds so good. And it's it's such a heartbreak to hear the stories here and there where someone just doesn't want to go to a guild anymore because there's one grumpy person that makes them miserable or something like that. So it's so nice to have that built right into the organization where the the heads or the, the leadership in the organization can learn how to have that healthy guild. I love that you do that. So that's sort of like consulting and education for guilds. And so where can they go if someone's listening right now and they're thinking, oh, I'm on the executive of my guild. Maybe we should be introducing this idea to my guild. Where can they go to find out more about that? Sure. I have a special tab on my website and it's the training and consulting tab. And you can look on there and see basically everything that I offer. And that is a one hour lecture. The deep dive with guilds, I actually can come in and tailor and work with them individually after doing an assessment on 
different deep dives of areas they may want to work on. So fundraising or the board needs a leadership training on how to be a good leader, how to handle conflict, how to develop a strategic plan for growth. So I can do a deep dive or just the one hour lecture. And all of that can be found there on my website under the training and consulting tab. Okay, so if if you are a member of a guild executive or a member of a guild and you want to take part in that survey, you can go to Belle's website at Seems So Me and it will be a pop-up and you'll see it come up there and then you can click to participate in that. Okay, and also I want to talk about something that you're planning, that's something that's coming soon and that is a podcast. I am always loving to advertise other podcasts because once a week of just me is not always enough for everybody. So there's room for everyone. I always love to spread the word about other awesome some podcasts out there. So what are you thinking? What's going to happen? Well, I'm really excited about this. I've been holding on to it since last year and it's going to launch this summer. It is a podcast specifically about and for quilt guilds. I realize there's there's not one out there, just like there's no training for quilt guilds as far as the nonprofit piece and, and growth and development and all of that. So the podcast will launch this summer And part of that survey on my website about guilds, some of that will be captured in wanting to be able to to interview those that want to be on the podcast to share amazing stories about how they are helping in their community with various philanthropies and how they help make a change and a difference in the lives of people within their community through their guild. Also, I'll be interviewing people, too, on how they've overcome some challenges that maybe their guilds have had. And then also interview those that maybe are struggling and they want to be able to process and talk about that. There'll also be episodes where it's just me talking and giving feedback, tools, suggestion, ideas for quilt guilds. So this podcast is all about quilt guilds, for quilt guilds. They'll have some really heartwarming stories from those that have emailed me and shared stories over the years. And then it will have a piece to it that is educational to be able to, again, help quilt guilds thrive because that's what I want. I want this legacy to continue for all of us for years and years and years. Yeah, love that. It's such a great idea because we don't want people to be suffering in silence and it'll be so nice to learn from you on the podcast. How do we overcome some of these things that are so common in guilds? So what a great idea. Okay, so I want to also talk about something that's coming soon. All these exciting things you're working on. <laughs> you're thinking of this great guidebook. So what's that all about? Yes. So I've never written a book before in my life. But again, along the same theme is a guidebook about quilt guilds and for quilt guilds. And someplace that they can go to, especially maybe it's a community that wants to form a guild what's involved with doing that, the legal piece of that. How can you recruit members? How can your boards of directors be good leaders and good examples to members? How can you grow? So all of those, basically that formula and framework on how to have a healthy quilt guild will be in there. But it'll also have other things in there like heartwarming stories and why guilds make such a difference in the world and why they're so important to have. I'm also planning on having people submit pictures of beautiful quilts that they've made. So sprinkled throughout the book, if you want your photo of one of your quilts to be considered to be in there, I'll have some beautiful quilt pictures in there as well. 
And so it's kind of an ongoing process. I thought I was going to launch it sooner this year, but I realized having never written a book before and working with someone who's an editor, there's a lot more involved in this than I thought. So to be determined when it releases, but it will be a resource that will be written with maybe a Southern flair. So I tend to write like I talk rather than it be a boring, formal, this is how you do it. It'll really have a lot of of fun, some adventure stories in there, as well as a, a fun read, I hope, for others. Yeah, that sounds good. And so you serve quilting guilds, but you also serve quilters, of course, with all the things that you do. So let's talk about your website a little bit. We've mentioned where it is, seemsome.com, but let's talk about what you have on your website. Well, on my website, there's a tab for freebies. So there's some things you can download in there. I believe there's a quilt block. There's a baby mobile you can make out of EPP as well. There's also a a template on how to make your own quilt labels, corner quilt labels. So I've got freebies there on that part of it. And then I have a blog. And I'll tell you, I don't love to write, Brandy, but you know, sometimes you just have to do it. Yeah. So I do have some articles in there. My most recent one was getting to work with some children in the northern part of my state, and they were in summer school. And their teacher decided part of learning to do math and read was to make something out of a quilt pattern. So they chose my quilt journal cover pattern. And for the whole summer, they learned about fractions and measurements and all of that grammar through my pattern. And they all made the journal cover. So she reached out to tell me what happened with finding my pattern and asked if they could use it, you know, copy it. And all. I said, that's fine. And I said, I want to meet these kids. So I joined on Zoom for both of the summer school classes and the kids were just so precious. They held up their journal covers. They sent me professional emails when it was all over to tell me the things that they had learned the skills they had gained from it. They asked me all kinds of questions. They sent me a quilt thank you postcard when it was all over. So there is a beautiful article on the blog that I recently wrote about that whole experience with those children. Oh, how fun. Isn't it so nice to hear a story about a wonderful teacher who goes that extra mile and then the kids who are just flourishing. That's so great. I love that they used your pattern. It is. And I have such a heart for kids and I feel very firmly about them being able to have the opportunity to learn. So whether that's guilds making that possible for kids or, you know, teachers at summer school, I just think that the the idea has to be presented to them and the opportunity because, you know, then they can grow up to be like us if they want. But if they're never given that opportunity, then they may choose, you know, other things that are not as productive and they may not realize they have that in them to learn how to quilt or sew or or make things that just bring joy. Yeah. Okay. So beyond the freebies and the tutorials and the blog, you also have products and patterns. So we've, we've touched on your patterns already. So let's talk about some of the fun stuff that you have for products on your website. Well, I have a lot of supplies for English paper piecing because I started doing that a year ago and absolutely love it. And I don't carry anything in my shop that I don't use myself. So it's things that I actually like. So you've got your papers that are in there. There's a beginner EPP kit. There's the thread that I use. There's also something called the Tack It Easy, which I know we now have in common. That is on there for English paper piecing as well. And that was a huge hit. I was able to be first to market with selling that 
last summer. And um, so you can get different sizes or you can get the full kit of that as well. And then also some quilty swag. So there's some sweatshirts and some t-shirts and coffee mugs and things like that also. Yeah, I love it. And let's just touch on this tack it easy a little bit more because now I am going to be selling this in Canada. So I'm so excited that you introduced this to me. I love English paper piecing and I have tried every which way you can possibly do it. I've even done guest appearances where I've talked about English paper piecing three ways and I try I show all the different things. But when you introduced me to this, I just love this little tool. So can you explain it a little bit in a nutshell? Sure. So I did not develop this first off. This was developed actually by, her name is Katie, and she is in Australia. She developed it, and I had bought one. I saw it somewhere online, bought one from Australia, got it out, and it is basically, she calls it a gadget, and it looks like kind of like a flower, and it's made out of a cardboard-like material, but it's not cardboard. It's very durable, and these little petals fold over all the way around this, what looks like a flower. And the reason they fold over is because when you put your your fabric in there and then you put your paper, which I actually use leave-in stabilizer for my papers, but either one, you fold the little petals over after you've put your glue on and it keeps the glue from getting on your fingers. And then each of them come with a matching acrylic templates. Yeah, I just love it. And you can make all different sizes of hexagons and it's just such a great thing. You can buy them individually or as a whole package with the templates. So if you're interested in buying this product or taking a look at it, you can go to Seam So Me. If you're in America, she ships nationwide. And if you're interested in Canada, it is now up on my website as well. And I will be shipping across Canada. So I'm so excited to be the first in Canada to offer this product. And this is going to be part of my travel system. Like I travel all over the place and every time I travel, I am doing hand work. So I'm having a lot of fun this year with my English paper piecing. So you can definitely check that out. And of course, go to Belle's YouTube channel and check out some of the videos on there because she's laid it all out in such an easy to learn way. So go check that out for sure. Okay. Another thing I want to talk about is this retreat space idea that you're working on with your dad. So tell us about that. What's going on down south? Sure. Well, I grew up in the middle of a national forest and it's just beautiful. And there's 45 acres there. And, you know, my dad's there by himself. And so I'd say a little over a year ago, there's this area that he was thinking of maybe building, I don't know, some kind of shop where he could sell some of his stuff that he has, you know, in retirement years. And I was like, you know, dad, what might be nice is to build an Airbnb slash quilting retreat location. And so I didn't really think he would take it to heart. But the next time I came home, he had already cleared out land and was like, let's do this. So it's been a long process because, you know, the supply chain issues and then finding laborers because he's, he's done a lot of the work himself, but there's certain areas he has to hire people. So we're almost finished. The cabinets, the kitchen cabinets and the bathroom cabinets are actually going in, I think, last week when I talked with him. And there's some finishes and touches that will need to be done over the next couple of months. And then it'll be time to furnish it. So I'm hoping we're not setting a date because these things keep happening with either supply chain issues or labor. But I'm hoping it'll be finished by the end of the summer and then I can host some small quilting retreats 
there. There's a whole area of the space. So it looks like a home from the outside. And then one end looks like a garage, but it's actually this whole quilting studio. So we've got the the lighting, all of the great lighting in there. It's heat and air. We've got cabinets. We've got places for pressing station in there. We've got a massive flat screen TV on the wall to where we can watch videos or if maybe we have a guest speaker or someone, they can be able to, quote, be there with us virtually. So I'm really, really excited about that space. And then when it's not used for quilting retreat purposes, or maybe I have boards of directors retreats with guilds there as well, that part will be is closed off and the other part can be rented out as an Airbnb just for regular Airbnbers. Yeah, that sounds like fun. So we've already talked about the AQS event that's coming up, but you also have a quilt cruise coming up. So tell us about that. Oh, I do. I'm super excited about this. So let's go to Alaska. If you want to, <laughs> if you're a cruiser and you want to cruise, I will be teaching a new pattern that I'm designing for the cruise. And it will be August the 10th through the 17th. We sail out of Seattle. And then we take a beautiful quilting cruise all the way to Alaska. And there's time on the cruise that you'll spend quilting. We'll we'll make the pattern. And then, of course, you get off and we get to sightsee and do all, all of that as well on fun day. So you can find that on my website as well under the, the training and consulting tab. And it will take you to where you can read all of the specifics and you actually can register for it at by Travel Adventures is who that's put on by. Oh, that sounds so great. So if you're interested in an Alaska quilting cruise, go to seamsome.com and check it out on the consulting education tab, right? Okay, correct. Great. Okay. So before we get into the lightning round, Robin, what is your favorite time of day? Afternoon. I'm absolutely not a morning person. If my life depended on it, there could be a problem. <laughs> Uh, I definitely get going and am ready to go for the day and alert and all of that around, you know, one o'clock. So morning time's not so great for me, but afternoons are just fabulous for quilting and creative things. Okay, great. Okay, so now it's time for the lightning round, Robin. It's a series of rapid fire questions and it's super fun. Are you ready? I'm ready as I will ever be. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite notion or tool? Oh, that would have to be my Havel's snips. They are really sharp and you don't put your fingers in them. You just pinch them and they're the best snips ever. And I use them more than any other tool I have. Okay. And what is something that quilters would not know about you? Mm. I used to dumpster dive. Oh, for what? Granite. <laughs> Interesting. So you remember me telling you about painting, learning to paint. I realized I could do that. I got this idea to make charcuterie boards out of okay. granite and I would visit granite shops and ask if I could go through their dumpsters and get chunks of granite that they weren't going to use and just throw out. And they said, sure. So my husband would back the truck up, help lower me in into there with my gloves on and my old shoes. And I would hand him chunks of granite that I wanted to use to make charcuterie boards. And I used to sell them at a flea market. I had my own booth and those things sold like hotcakes. And then the pandemic started and I started quilting and all of that, but stopped. But I did used to dumpster dive. <laughs> That's so funny. Do you have any little quilty collections of any kind? 
I do. So I'm a huge fan of thrift stores and flea markets and consignment shops. And so I love to go to flea markets and collect orphan blocks, but they have to be orphan blocks that are old. So, you know, back in the 30s and the 40s, those types of fabrics and that have been hand stitched. So that's the criteria. And I collect them and I often will put them on totes. Okay, sounds good. And you are known online on Instagram, on your website and everything for your messy bun. And you have it right now. (laughs) You have one in your (laughs) hair right now. Your curls are so gorgeous. Is there a special product you use or anything like that? There is, Brandy, and it's right there in your backyard. It's from Canada. I actually get the whole system from Canada. It's called LUS, L-U-S, Brands, and it stands for Love Your Curls. I do. I have naturally curly hair, and it's wild and crazy and usually frizzy, so I usually live in the messy bun. You don't see me often with my hair down. I think the one time I wore it down at QuiltCon last year, people didn't recognize me. <laughs> but yeah. they have a whole system. So less out of, I think it's out of Toronto. Okay. After this podcast, we're going to have to take a moment for you to teach me how to do the messy bun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Last question is, do you have any furry friends in the studio? I do. So I have two fur babies, Jacks and trip and actually trips in here with me right now he has a little basket that is right in front of the window and i call him my quilt supervisor he is with me wherever i am and then i have another cat jacks and he's a little more fond of my husband but he's in and out as well and they're always in and out of my studio oh how sweet okay so thank you for braving the lightning round robin so we mentioned your website is seamssome.com. So that's S-E-A-M-S-S-E-W-M-E.com where we can see everything you have to offer. But where's the best place for quilters to connect with you on social media? I would say Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram. And the handle for that is the same, except there is it's seams underscore so underscore me. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Now I'm going to mention this week's contest giveaway. Belle is giving away all three of her PDF patterns that are on her website. That includes the quilt journal cover, dueling diamonds and river Glen. So thank you so much, Belle. That is so generous. One lucky winner is going to be so happy. So be sure to get on the Quilter on Fire email list so you get the Tuesday podcast preview in your inbox every week and you have easy access to all of the links, including the contest giveaway. Now, as we wrap up, Belle, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? Take what works and leave the rest. You know, there's a lot of opinions and ways to do things and and how to do things and what have you. And, you know, for me, it's been fun to explore and try different things. And we don't know if we love it until we try it. And so I would say, Don't don't feel like you have to do something a certain way. Just try and be adventurous and don't be afraid to make mistakes. We call those in our household teaching moments. We don't use the word mistake. And so in this quilty adventure, there's all kinds of teaching moments, but that's how we learn what we like and what we don't like. And so I would just encourage the listeners just to continue to try new things and don't be afraid and don't expect things to be perfect. Perfection robs people of joy, and I am a recovering perfectionist. I would say around the age of 40, I stopped. It's too anxiety-provoking. I was missing out on too much. 
So just let it go and have fun and try new things and don't be judgmental of yourself. What great advice. I love that. Belle, I just loved having you on the show. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Brandy. I really appreciate it. Okay, so that was my show with Belle Bruner. One thing I admire about Belle is that she has taken the best bits of her career coaching and training and now offers that to support quilting guilds as they strive to create healthy communities where their members can flourish. I'm thrilled that she introduced me to the Tack It Easy EPP tool, which I fell in love with. She offers it in the USA and I can now offer it to Canadians. I'm also very excited at the notion of her new Airbnb that she's building as a special retreat space with her dad back home in a beautiful national forest. So follow Belle on Instagram to find out more about that. This is a creator you are going to want to keep an eye on, and I loved having her on the show. Are you a quilter who wants to get creative and take a step into textile art? Introducing the Square One Bootcamp, Stepping into Textile Art. Join me for a creative workshop that is one hour per day over three days to make a textile art piece start to finish with your own original art element as the feature. Go to quilteronfire.com to see the next course dates. And London is calling. My trip to the Festival of Quilts Birmingham was so much fun that I'm doing it again. Grab a friend and book your summer holiday with me. And even if you are a lone traveler, I know this itinerary inside out so you can relax and enjoy while every moment is planned just for you. This is such a wonderful sightseeing holiday going through London and Wales and ending with the Festival of Quilts Birmingham. And I'd love to have you join me. Book your spot today by calling Judy at Opulent Quilt Journeys, 1-877-235-3767. And if you want to peruse the itinerary first, go to quilteronfire.com slash events. Okay, and one more little reminder about the WhatNot app, because I don't want you to miss out on this special deal. Go to www.whatnot.com forward slash invite forward slash quilter on fire to get $15 off your first purchase in the WhatNot app. And don't forget, this Friday, April 7th at 1 p.m. Pacific, I'll be doing a live demo of the Tack It Easy system. During this event, I'll be doing a scrap happy mystery bag auction, a Tack It Easy demo and presale, and I'll be giving away a full set of Tack It Easy gadgets and templates. And if you miss this because you've listened to the podcast after April 10th, that's okay. You can still go to the WhatNot app and you Use that website invite to get your $15 off no matter what you buy on the app. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.